You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver Podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. and good morning welcome to episode number two of just a nibble the not quite daily beaver for those moments when you still want your beaver grizzly goodness but just don't have time for a whole bite today recording day is wednesday october or october 5th 2022 the sun is rising and it looks like blue skies here at the beaver lodge i'm your host the eager beaver pronouns he him hey mr beaver a and i'm really glad that you've joined us this morning of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. And a special greeting today for kids who are observing Yom Kippur. In the headlines, uh, we're doing a short one today because Mr. Grizzly has to be at work, uh, so we might have time for only two stories. Premier Frankie Legs, of course, becomes the first Premier of Quebec to win back-to-back majorities since Liberal Robert Bourassa in 1989. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announces a $300 million Hurricane Fiona recovery fund. And before we continue, good morning, Mr. Grizzly. Good morning, Mr. Beaver. How are you this morning? I cannot hear you. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> Everything's working fine on our end, but for some reason, um, Mr. Beaver can't hear me. I don't know what's going on with that. Everything is working here, so <clears throat> you can go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'm having some audio issues, so I cannot hear what Mr. Grizzly is saying to me. So unfortunately, I can't interact. Uh, I hope your mental health is doing well today. Um, Let's just get into it. Uh, With the Quebec election, uh, it took place. And of course, as predicted, the CAQ uh, led by Premier François Legault won. It earned 90 of the 125 seats. Uh, The Liberal Party of Quebec, who looked that wasn't going to do very well, uh, managed to save the furniture and uh, picked up 21 seats. Quebec Solidaire, uh, which is pretty much like the NDP over there, but separatist, uh, got 11 seats. The Parti Québécois got three. And uh, the Parti Conservateur du Québec and the Green Party of Québec got none. Mm. Um, vote share, the CAQ got uh, just under 41%. The Liberals, 14.4% about. Québec Solidaire, 15.4%. Parti Québécois, 14.6%. And the Parti Conservateur, about 13%. Um, the Parti Libéral du Québec only 
got 68% of the francophone vote, however, across the province. Uh, so that's something they're definitely going to have to look into if they want to remain relevant for the long term. Voter turnout, uh, which was feared to be as low as it was in Ontario, uh, ended up not being so bad, uh, 66.13%. Um, considering that it was pretty much predetermined and nothing happened, I'm actually surprised that many people came out. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. It was a good turnout, actually. Um, uh, after the election results were announced, uh, the Parti Québécois, Québec solidaire, and the Parti conservateur du Québec uh, announced that they wanted electoral reform. Uh, they were upset, uh, particularly Québec solidaire and the Parti Québécois, that they got more votes than the Liberals, but it did not translate into as many seats for them. Now, they didn't get that many more votes. Uh, the Parti Québécois got fewer than 10,000 votes more, and uh, Québec solidaire fewer, maybe about 43,000 votes more, uh, but it's the same thing as happens in Canada when you have a first-post-the-post system. Uh, the Bloc Québécois gets all of those seats in Quebec because for with very few votes because its vote is regionally concentrated. Well, so is the case with the Parti libéral du Québec uh, on Montreal and on the West Island and uh, in the Outaouais. You know, they have concentrated votes, so they get more seats because their vote is more efficient. Um, when, uh, and uh, of course, the CAQ, even though it got a bigger majority uh, this time around, would still not have an actual majority if it was, uh, let's say, uh, proportional representation, because when everybody talks about voter reform in Canada, it seems they only talk about proportional representation and no other system for yeah, some I'm reason. Kidding. Yeah, right? <laughs> so... Um, uh, they would not have gotten a majority. So I'm thinking there's fat chance that that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. okay. In fact, uh, Legault had actually promised in the previous election that he would uh, do some uh, election reform after he won. Uh, Jean-Pierre Charbonneau, a former speaker of the National Assembly, who now heads the Mouvement Démocratie Nouvelle, said in an interview uh, given to the Globe and Mail, that uh, the issue had been lying low for the first for a few years until he was contacted in 2015 by the CAQ at that time, which was a new opposition party. And he says that they're the ones that who relaunched the debate. Uh, Mr. Chabonneau recalled that his group and the CAQ were actively involved in efforts that led uh, Mr. Legault, the PQ, and Quebec Solidaire at the time to issue a joint pledge in May of 2018 to reform the voting system. And at the time, Mr. Legault said, it's no longer time for a debate, it's time for action. It's time for this project to become reality. In 2019, the Legault government tabled Bill 39, which proposed mixed member proportional representation, where 80 ridings would still be contested under the old system, while the other 45 would be decided depending on the popular vote in different regions. But since Premier Legault didn't really want it to happen, given he had secured his majority, on first past the post the first time around, he kind of slipped in a little hoop for people to jump through that had not been previously discussed with the other partners, a requirement that a referendum be held to ratify the change, which, if you remember the federal uh, discussion, uh, once uh, Prime Minister Trudeau brought uh, created the committee, uh, you had the Bloc Québécois and the Conservative Party of Canada that really fought for a referendum. There absolutely must be one. And for some reason, the Greens and the NDP agreed to that. Do not know why, but no idea. Did. No idea uh, why. So, 
you know, I think that was a good strategy for the go if he didn't want to get it done because, you know, referenda had previously failed on a similar matter, including three times in British Columbia alone since 2005. But when a 2019 poll came about indicating that about 70% of Quebecers really wanted the go government to respect its voting reform province prom- promise, well, Bill 39 passed second reading and then the government just let it die. Just slow quit it. Just stopped talking about it. Had nothing to say. <laughs> and then in this election, of course, you know, Mr. Go said, oh, we listened to the population. It doesn't interest them, except a few intellectuals. Because again, right, you have to be anti-intellectual. Well, and, and that's the worst part of it, right? Like, we, why, why do they want to be anti-intellectual? I don't get that. It's it's smart people built this country. Smart people built the political system we have. So why are they suddenly deciding that? Let's shit on smart people. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I don't know how he got that. We listened to the population. It doesn't interest them when they had polls saying that 70% wanted them to pursue it, but which was completely different than at the federal level where there was an actual public consultation held and nobody came out for it. And then they tried putting out a poll and nobody answered it. (laughs) And then everybody got mad at it because, you know, it had questions to them that seemed loaded, but really it was a poll that was trying to measure trade-offs. So of course it's going to have loaded questions. Um, Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, So the CAQ and the Liberals now hold 111 of the 125 legislature seats, so they certainly have no incentive to reform the voting process. Right? (laughs) Um, When a reporter asked Legault about his promise uh, from 2018, um, he got a little glib uh, and pointed out that during this year's election, he made the opposite promise, not to reform the system. And then a little flippant as he announced he planned to respect that promise. What a dick. I mean, here, I listen, I'm not for proportional representation myself, right? Like this, I don't, yeah. I personally, I'm of the same view as Prime Minister Trudeau on this. I don't want to create a system where a fringe party just needs to get four or five percent and they cement their seat in parliament for life and then just have a tribune from which to spew toxicity from a fire hose into the nation. And, you know, and then on those weird situations where you just need two or three more seats to get you over the edge, your coalition block, um, you know, and then you have to cater to the the radicals as we're seeing in you know, in Sweden and that type of stuff. Uh, But if you say you're going to do it, don't even make an effort to consult with the people. Say that the people told you the exact opposite of what they said and then say, oh, no, this time I'm going to respect, you know. (laughs) Yeah, it's just more hogwash. Yeah, you're being a dick. You're being a dick. Uh, So regarding Mr. Legault's post-election remarks, uh, Charbonneau, who's from the the community organization to which he had, Legault had approached in 2005, uh, added, maybe a little cattily, we suggest he does like he did last time and not respect this promise. 
Meow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with no prospects of a change soon, uh, the other opposition leaders are now moving to have their parties recognized as parliamentary groups, a status that confers research budgets and speaking time in the National Assembly. But it's normally given only to parties with at least 12 seats or 20% of the popular vote, which means that in this case, case, it would only be the CAQ and the Parti libéral du Québec, with Québec solitaire missing uh, 12 seats by, well, by one. Just one. Not, not a lot. Yeah. Now, whether or not Legault wants to be magnanimous about that, we'll see. Time because that so. really is up to him. Yeah, in this case. Uh, but uh, the leader of the Parti québécois, Monsieur Plamondon, Mm-hmm. said that his party should be given a budget and allocation of parliamentary questions because he represents like a specific point of view. And, you know, if he didn't do that, otherwise that would be a willful breach of democracy. But the thing is, is that the Parti Québécois isn't the only sovereigntist game in town now, right? You have yeah. Québec solidaire. So you've got it between two parties and you are no longer the go-to, my friend. Well, it's... so. Uh, that's that's the thing, right? They uh, yeah. They don't I mean, they don't own not, everything anymore. It's 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 the whole landscape has changed. So it's not a very solid argument. I mean, if it was the only party still representing the separatist voice, you could maybe make a case for that, but not if you got two and you just didn't exactly come up on top. So, um, as a consolation prize, though, in Quebec, they still have some uh, f- public financing based on popular support, uh, which we used to have. Jacques Chrétien gave that to us for a bit, and then mm-hmm. Harper took it away. Uh, they get a dollar, each party gets a dollar seventy-one for each ballot cast in their favor. So, at least they'll have a couple of bucks. A little bit of money. Uh, but yeah, as uh, Kit Pasta Gabe says, uh, PP has a tough path in La Belle Province with the Parti Conservateur du Québec, who we thought was going to be an ally, especially if uh, the leader nope. got a seat. Nope. Not getting a seat. Nope. Not even the leader. Nothing. Zero. Nope. Zilch. Nada. Z- yep. Le gros zéro. <laughs> gros zéro. Yes, yes, yes. Um, in uh, other news uh, about uh, Hurricane Fiona, 11 days in, uh, about 18,000 people on PEI and 8,000 people remain in the dark in Nova Scotia. Uh, now, usually they tell you to prepare for about 72 hours uh, for disaster. It's 11 um, days is a no, long time. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I think we should probably change that rule. Yeah. That bit of advice. Go for a week. Make sure you have a week or two. Like eight, 18,000 people without power in PEI, though? That is, that's crazy. For 11 days straight, 18,000? What the hell is going on with their hydro system there? Mm-hmm. Nova Scotia Power says that electricity in some parts of the northeast of the province will not be restored until Sunday, which would make it two weeks from the day the storm made landfall. So, like, like, you know, and I mean, we should have learned that from the ice storm, like way along the one big one we had all those years ago. There were parts of Quebec that didn't have power for three months oh, yeah, after yeah. that, if yeah. not more, right? So um, I keep hearing uh, that, particularly on PEI, that people seem to be getting particularly upset uh, with their government. Now, I know one or two people live on PEI and I don't know all, you know, so I'm trying to ask from people I know whether or not that seems, is that from a more hyper-partisan account or is that really objectively what's going on? I don't know. Uh, some are saying that, 
My, well, my friends are saying that repairs are going well, but they're in Charlottetown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Main, well, that's the right. capital city. It's the so, main population uh, base. So it's to be expected in Charlottetown. I, ha- I have a lot of friends uh, with a lot of family in PEI, and, and they're saying, no, we got, we got family members that still have no power at all. So, Yeah. So, you know, things like, you know, candles and ways to prepare food that don't require electricity and uh, blankets and, you know, there's lots of things, you know, that we should supply of water just in case the water goes out. You know, you want to have a couple. So we should probably maybe have a standard operating procedure to have two weeks of that somewhere in house rather than 72 hours. Most likely you'll be getting to somewhat in 72 hours, but if it's particularly bad or if you happen to be the unlucky sucker who's in the wrong part of the province at any one given time, it's definitely probably going to, you know, last longer. Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. We're good. We're happy to see stone sea, which that you were lucky and escaped the worst part of the storm. But yeah, I'm sure you can attest that, uh, I asked my friends that are out there, you know, um, one of the premiers said that, uh, things, Oh, are you all right, Mr. Grizzly? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, I just slipped. I slipped oh. off the edge of my chair, <laughs> bumped my elbow. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> um, I heard them say that, you know, the, the images that we see on TV don't do it justice whatsoever. And my friends that are out in the area do actually confirm that that's terrible. Um, <clears throat> Lawrence McCauley, the Veterans Affairs Minister, said, we've seen wharves and crops simply taken out. Farmers and fishers will certainly need to be supported as we rebuild. And Prime Minister Trudeau said, we know climate change means more extreme weather events in the coming years, and how we rebuild, how we adapt, how we adjust to the challenges we're facing is going to be extremely important. Uh, And, uh, well... We mentioned on a previous episode, start the countdown to conservative MPs making the case about why the aid isn't there yet. And sure enough, um, I think just like a three or four or five days in, uh, in a joint statement, local MPs Rick Perkins and Stephen Ellis said uh, one full week after Fiona, so okay, they gave it a week, mm-hmm. one full week after Fiona hit, thousands of people remain without power, the roads are impassable, and they don't have access to basic service or ability to work. And they issued a statement that said, why is the federal government so slow when we have thousands of military troops in Nova Scotia ready for this type of assistance? The time for photo ops is over. Told you. Did I not call it, say that they were going to oh, yeah. you know, criticize him for photo ops? Of course, of course, of course. It, it, it goes without saying that no matter what he does, no matter what he does, good, bad, whatever, they're going to shit on him every single time. If he had a left the country to go to the, the funeral for Shinzo Abe in Japan, they would have shit on him for not being here because he stayed here. They shit on him for not going there because he showed up to lend a hand. They shit on him for photo ops. Like there's no winning with that conservative party. They're going to dump on you for everything you say and do. End of story. I mean, it's the largest storm to ever hit Atlantic Canada in history. All right. Take the normal delay you think it's going to take. And then add a bit. Add a bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. Why is it not there? He's posing for photo ops. Blah blah blah. Like this again. Predictable. Like clockwork. You can. You can. Um, you can write the script days before. Right. Oh yeah. They are literally stereotypes. You know what's coming. So 
After having visited Cape Breton and PEI on day four, Poirot Basque, Newfoundland, and the province, uh, power was on on the province, mostly province-wide by then, on the fifth day. And Les Îles de la Madeleine on day six, the Prime Minister announced on day 10, which is not, you know, three days to go, not going immediately to be in the way, going to having three days in assessment because you did have five provinces to go to, and then five days later, announced a $300 million Hurricane Fiona recovery fund that uh, has three principal goals. Number one, general support to help communities quicker. Number two, money to maintain safe navigation of waterways and environmental protection. And three, an investment in repairs to rebuild critical infrastructure like wharves and harbors. Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominic Leblanc says government will work immediately to repair its damaged harbors and will provide support to privately owned ones. And, you know, he's an MP from the region. The money will be rolled out by the Atlantic Canada Opportunities Agency because the government says that that's the fastest way to get money to people. And for the province of Quebec by Développement Économique Canada pour les régions du Québec. Uh, provincial premiers uh, announced their support packages uh, mostly last week. Uh, any Canadians who have suffered any losses are encouraged to register with the Red Cross. Uh, please do that. That's probably your best way to make sure that the bureaucracy goes as fast as possible. Um, and that's pretty much all I have for the moment. Uh, we have a couple more minutes, Mr. Grizzly. If there's something you wanted to bring up, I won't be able to respond because I can't hear you, unfortunately. It's okay. So, uh, trust me when I say this, you'll be able to hear this later, uh, Mr. Beaver. Uh, we need to be prepared as, as Linda has just stated here, and I'm going to show it on the screen. We need to be prepared for future catastrophes. I was privy to a conversation yesterday with somebody who was the former CEO of a major oil company who is now a hardcore environmentalist who has said, there will be no life left on this planet in a hundred years if we don't change our ways right now. There's no joke. We have to change our ways. Uh, it, it's imperative that we uh, plan for future catastrophes and if we don't, we're going to find ourselves in a, in a big mess of problems. And it's, it's inevitable that if we, don't, um, if we don't discuss this, if we don't plan for the future, we're going to have major, major problems. Now, I have two things to post here. Um, uh, one video, one quick, quick clip. Bear with me while I bring it up on, uh, on stage. And it's this um, video from Michelle Rempel yesterday in the House of Commons. They have failed to repatriate manufacturing. They have failed to inspire investment in our country. And they are making it harder for women in my community to put loaves of bread in their cart. And I've had enough. And people in this place have had enough, Mr. Speaker. And people across this country have had enough. So I challenge every Liberal backbencher here today, tomorrow morning is their caucus meeting, to stand up and say what that one person said off the record to a, a reporter. Enough with the woke shit. Sorry, Mr. Speaker, I take that back. I apologize for my, my unparliamentary language immediately. I'm very sorry. Enough with the woke. So, um, the woke shit, eh? Well, this is what woke is, Michelle. The Merriam-Webster Dic uh, Merriam Dictionary's version. Woke. Woker, wokest. 
chiefly U.S. slang, aware of and actively attentive to important facts and issues, especially issues of racial and social justice. That's what woke means, Michelle. So if you say you're not woke, you're telling me you're a racist shithead. So fuck you. Okay, I got a little excited there, but there's a reason for that. So let's, let's turn this around, and we're going to end this on, on, a, on a positive note today. Uh, here's a picture of um, what happens when you wander into the wrong side of town. <laughs> it's, a, it's a horde. It's a gang of beaker, and that's, that's dangerous. <laughs> and then, of course, me in a Speedo, because that's always funny, right? Okay, Mr. Beaver is trying to uh, reset so that he can come back because he's lost all audio altogether. And, uh, you know, these happen. These things happen. We have technical difficulties from time to time. But I'm going to sign us off in just a second here because I do have to run. Unfortunately, I I, I wasn't able to uh, present a couple of things. But we we should all salute our queen before we head to work in the morning. And... uh, (laughs) I promise you we will be back. We will be back uh, on Friday morning with another morning show. Until that time, I'm going to send you off with this. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum. And The Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.